two round shapes. <laughs> Musings by Misfits. A podcast every Monday. Hi, I'm Saps. And I'm Tazo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Brown Sheeps, Musings by Misfits, communing with brown women in between worlds. I'm Sabrina, and I'm joined today with my friend Tazo. Hi, I'm back. Yay, so happy to have you back, Tazo. It's been a long time. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to be back. And I, I know a lot of exciting things have been happening while I've been gone. Oh, yeah. Cup, well, this last two weeks have just been really crazy busy. And uh, actually, yesterday I went to get threaded at a beauty salon for the first time in, I think, three months. And it was really, really horrible. I was like being threaded by this new person for 20 minutes. It was actually a Nepali salon. And mm-hmm. the owner is Nepali, and she doesn't remember me, even though she had waxed me a year ago, mm-hmm. well, six months ago. And um, when they were threading me, actually, they kept saying, you know, I look Indian, and I sound Indian, I don't look Nepali. At the end of all of it, I didn't say anything, you know, I was like being really pleasant. But then I got home, and I realized that my eyebrows were screwed up, and that I was full of cuts. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think, you know, this is a brown woman's problem. Like, your day can be ruined because you went to the beauty salon and somebody screwed up your eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally feel you. I remember when, like, once uh, they basically cut off one portion of my eyebrow, and I was so scared. I was like, this is never going to grow back. Because you know how eyebrows are. They're really fickle yeah. beings. Like, they don't know if they want to come back. I mean, the, the the hair on the rest of your body is really like, you know, on point with coming back, but mm-hmm. not always your eyebrows. But yeah, I'm sorry you had that experience. Did you put like stuff on your eyebrow to help it soothe? It's really hard. I put some like aloe vera cream and some vitamin E. And I also realized that I was so mad. I went on Yelp mm-hmm. and I just wrote them a really bad review. Mm-hmm. And part of, part of it was like, oh, should I do this? I mean, they're Nepalese, you know, they're part of my community. But I was like, no. Because at one point when the owner actually did my eyebrows, she just came really quickly and she was like, okay, I can't do any more. Like, this is all I can do. So I was oh, like, wow. you know what? I need to let go of that ethnic, communal kind of sentiment and just be real. Like, we're in the U.S. A business is a business. You do a shitty job. I'll write a bad review <laughs> for you. Well, and like, didn't she also think you were Indian? So yeah. like. She did. Like, I mean, it's not that there's nothing wrong with being Indian at all. Like, I have no issue with it. But I think you and I were talking about this before. Like, we do want to be recognized for being from where we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like this idea of being Indian in my in Nepal, for example, is not always a positive thing. Like, it's positive on certain level. Like, at a certain level, like, means, okay, you have big eyes. Big eyes are considered beautiful. But then it also means that you're darker. Darker is not considered beautiful. And if anything, I'd prefer to be considered South Indian and North rather than North Indian. Mm-hmm. Because I actually like being dark. I think that there's something really nice about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, it's super funny that you've said that, Because I've also had that where people are like, oh, are you Indian or blah, blah. And I'm like, please go away. Like, and I'm not going to tell you where I'm from. <laughs> um, and it's just this idea that I think you know, especially being in our communities, we, we have been influenced by a lot of like these Western, um, white standards of beauty, right? Even within our own communities. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, and actually, I, I really thought that that would be a very interesting topic for us to talk about, you know, on style, beauty, and confidence as a brown woman, because it's a, it's a different experience than what mm -hmm. you might imagine. So perhaps let's start off with talking about the Western versus our standards of beauty. And I guess the one topic that I think a lot of brown people can relate to is being a hairy person. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the thing is, like, of course, standards of beauty have overlapped because, you know, we have moved, lived, you know, we're in different places. But I do think the the thing of the hair, it's such an issue. And I think every girl has an issue with her eyebrows like you do. I have that. And of course, the other like the other one, the mustache, right? You had sent me this post by this lady called Soraya, right, who goes on Twitter as at Irani Kanjari. She had posted mm -hmm. a selfie with the caption Walmart underwear vibes in December. Mm -hmm. And this is this became such a controversial picture because she had some body hair on her navel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like when this article, this article had come out, like, I think, yeah, around like 2015. But I still remember it because it was huge. I could I don't think I could have been able to done like, you know, do what she had done years ago. I don't even know if I can do it now. You know, like it's just so. It was almost breathtaking to know that, hey, all of us have hair. Yeah. And there's a point where you get so tired. I don't want to shave this stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't want to wax this stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. I have hair. I'm mm -hmm. desi. I'm supposed to have hair. Yeah. But see, when you say desi, I think a lot of people think that that means Indian, but it actually doesn't. That's just a side note, mm -hmm. by the way. But desi, I feel like, has come to encompass a much wider group of people. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm South, like South Asian diaspora is what yeah. I would, I would consider Desi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually, even, you know, I read this poem recently by Fatima Asghar, who's this amazing poet. Mm -hmm. She made the series Brown Girls, as you know. Mm -hmm. I just finished season one. It's pretty good. It's really good, isn't it? I, I really mm -hmm. loved it. And there was this one poem where she wrote about It was a poem to her mother, who, and Fatima Asghar is, is an orphan, and uh, it's a poem to her mother, and there was this one line that just made me feel so understood, and I'm mm -hmm. just going to quote it here. She says, how I played football with the boys in the school park and let my mustache grow longer than anyone in my class, and isn't that a type of girlhood too? Mm. And when I read that, it just made me feel so good because, to be honest, I went through, I was that girl who had a mustache <laughs> growing up and I never actually thought that that was a girlhood. I always felt like I had been cheated out of my girlhood mm -hmm. because I was spending so much time thinking about my mustache, which I shouldn't have had as a girl. I mean, I was 10 and it was my obsession literally until I was 15. Mm -hmm. So... I feel like right now is a time when a lot of people are owning up this idea that, you know, we don't look the same. Everybody mm -hmm. around the world has different traits and we should stop this obsession with trying to look uniform. And if some people have a lot more hair, it doesn't mean that they need to get rid of all of it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm just like, you know, where where do you think this comes from? Because I also have you know, um, people, yeah, you know, like we both have mothers that are hairless. Like they, I don't think mm -hmm. they've never touched a razor the whole lives, mm -hmm. but then you also have a generation that's older that has hair on their arms and their legs and they're totally fine with it. 
Mm-hmm. And I think something happened with our, I don't know, was it globalization? Was it, obviously it was media, a bit of it. And it was also maybe the people that we had the hots for, right? Like, yeah. you know, imagine liking a guy and then obviously he's like so taken aback by your mustache, you know, he's just, <laughs> and then you feel so insecure because he's like, oh, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. That's all he sees about me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. And I think like for a long time, I just was extremely extremely obsessed about it and I used to get bullied really badly for it because I would be in a school with mostly mostly people who are not from South Asia Mm -hmm. so it was always a situation where I would be noticed for having hair on my face and I got so embarrassed once because in school the teacher actually called me he (laughs) even though she knew that I was a girl but she she was like, he, and then my friend is, sorry, be, be, this bitch, she's a bitch for saying this to me at the time. She was like, Saprina, you even, you're even confusing the teachers with your mustache. Oh, God. That's so horrible. Yeah, and I would tell my mom, I'd be like, mom, please let me, sh- like, not shave or let me just do something about it. And she always was like, no, no, this is a phase. It's going to go away on its own. Because mm-hmm. like you said, my mom has no hair, so she didn't understand that. And even she would not be, she was against shaving legs because she never had to shave legs. And she was always just mm-hmm. worried that all the hair stuff would start taking too much of our time, my sister and my time. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't want you to be distracted and having to think about your hair all the time. But the mm-hmm. irony is by not doing anything about it, I was mm-hmm. thinking about my hair all the time. Yeah. But you also have a similar story, like with your eyebrows, because when we first met, you would literally go home every weekend to get your eyebrows done. Well, okay. First of all, we were in Charlottesville, and at the time, there was no one, you know, not a threader. Like, yeah, you could wax your eyebrows, but I was so scared because I was really sensitive about my eyebrows and how they frame my face. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, it really did a lot for, let's say, my confidence, I guess. I think my eyebrows, more than anything, had a lot you know, to do with confidence back then. Hmm. And I, I mean, for me, it was a massive thing in my family because I actually went and I told my mom I want to do it. And she was like, no, no, you know, you have the rest of your life to do your eyebrows. And here I had this unibrow and I'm stuck in rural, like middle of like nowhere, West Virginia, where everyone is pretty much white, blonde, you know, they don't have the issue of a unibrow Hmm. because even if they do, you don't see it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like, I remember one summer, I kept on bugging my mother and I was like, I want to do it. And my grandma was like, yeah, you should definitely take her. And then my mother makes an appointment, which I'm super excited for. I don't even like sleep the night before because I'm so (laughs) excited that things are going to change. My life is going to change, you know, in a good way. And trust me, she comes home and she's like, I don't know. She had gone somewhere and then she'd come back. She's like, I'm going to cancel your appointment. You don't need to do it. Your eyebrows are fine. I started crying, mm. you know, like, you know, like these things at some, I was 17. I was like, I can't believe, you yeah. know, I don't trust you. And you'll never, you, you just, you don't see how much this matters to me. Yeah. And when I, you know, crying, my grandma comes out, she starts yelling at my mother saying like, do you think we live in the same times that you did? And then my grandfather comes out and he's like, yeah, do you think we live in the same times that you did? Things have changed. And he's like, you know what? I'm getting my car out. You're going to go right now. And so um, my mother eventually took me and I did get it done, but I didn't actually get rid of my unibrow initially. I had just like thinned the sides of my face to make it cleaner mm-hmm. until later, like eventually I had done it because I think someone obviously rural West Virginia was like, oh, 
you know, why do why does your eyebrows look like they're painted? Because you know, when you thread, it's very, very perfect. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, you know what, I'm just I might as well just get rid of the unibrow, which I kind of regret now. But you know, because it is a very essential part of who I was. But you know, I guess what's gone is gone, right? Okay, so continuing on with our second part, um, we're going to be speaking on personal style and confidence and how they're related. And I know you and I, we have differences of opinion on this because I think personal style is more related to awareness. But you were telling me prior that you think it's something that is related to confidence. Yeah, I, I, I do think it is because for me, I feel like changing my personal style or actually acquiring a personal style was a way to compensate for a lack of confidence. And when I was, let's say, 16 or 15, and I had just gotten rid of my mustache, I got my hair cut super short. And when I got Mm -hmm. my hair cut super short, I suddenly realized that, you know, I needed to get better dressed and wear lots of accessories or at least compensate for that change in style, because otherwise I would just end up looking like some dude, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like like Aladdin or something. That's how I really felt like I looked like. So when you met me the first time, you know, in uni, what was your impression of me? Because you had seen me, I think, at the height of my style. <laughs> well, it was. You definitely were smooth and definitely put together. I'm not going to lie. And it was very, like, taken with you. Like, oh, wow, look at this very charming, you know, like, very chic, put together um, woman. And you, you had this thing of, like, you know, I think you had just the year before you were in Paris. Mm-hmm. So you also had this air, like, oh, you know, so you're um but yeah it was definitely different when I had met you then versus like no okay now is much better versus our climax in Palermo which is another story which we should probably get at at some point in the in the thing but you know you know like it was I don't know what was it at that time for you what was being stylish was it just to compensate when you have short hair it kind of pushes you to experiment with different things because you know that You know, if you have long hair, you're just a girl and it doesn't really make a difference. Like you can wear whatever, you're still noticeable. But because maybe because of my history with my mustache and feeling like I look like a dude, I really Mm -hmm. wanted to try something different. But at some point, and you know, I was in this relationship with this guy who told me that, who was really obsessed about my hair. And Mm -hmm. he had told me at one point, he's like, if you didn't have short hair, you would be like every other girl. Like you would not be noticeable. You would not be different. Mm-hmm. And that really freaked me out, I remember. And I felt like throughout the period that I was with him, I felt like I had to keep my short hair, but it had stopped feeling exciting and liberating. And mm-hmm. so my confidence um, dropped a bit after that, I think. You know, because, you know, it's interesting that, you know, we allow people and I, we do, we allow people to influence us especially in these things, like, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of men say that too, like, oh, you know, I like your hair, or, you know, have you tried, you know, dyeing it like blonde? And I'm like, no, have you seen, I'm dark, I'm gonna look really weird if I dye my hair blonde or whatever. But um, you also have an older sister. And I, you know, I'm also a part of like, we're a pair of sisters as well. Mm -hmm. So like, what was it like, you know, also having a sister? And, you know, wasn't that also an influence? Yeah, it was. And it's funny because when my when I was growing up, I was always very self-conscious. My sister was less so, it seemed. 
And then suddenly one day she decided to, it's like she had this real transformation. Because before my dad wouldn't allow her to cut her hair, she had this amazing thick long hair that came all the way down to her back. And she used to always have it in a plate. Um, and she used to wear glasses. And my dad didn't want her to cut her hair. But then we had gone to Australia for some holidays and my dad wasn't there. She got her hair cut. She got contacts. And then she started getting really stylish and dressing up in a very, you know. And then she just started dressing up really nicely. But then I also noticed that she could all easily still revert back to just walking around with her legs not shaved, wearing mm -hmm. just a t-shirt. And I used to feel embarrassed by that. I used to be like, why don't you shave your legs? Like, everybody can see. But she didn't care. Like, she mm -hmm. actually was one of those people who didn't feel bothered by any of that. And mm -hmm. I think on some level, I wanted to be like that. I thought, you know, I want to also not care because it's all about how I feel inside. But I've been realizing that I'm different and that I do care and mm -hmm. that I cannot really feel good walking around with hairy legs or wearing clothes like a hobo. Mm -hmm. And this is why I had an intervention with you in Palermo. Yeah. And so for people who don't know, in other words, basically, um, to describe it better, like the analogy I'd given you, it's almost like seeing someone who's a vegetarian, who actually loves being a vegetarian, mm -hmm. like really forcing herself to eat chicken wings, like every day, like, oh, chicken wings, it's so mm -hmm. practical, and mm -hmm. they're made of protein, and God, whatever, like, you know, this is amazing. Yeah. And that's what it seemed like, because you were like, oh, I, I love being this, like, uh, you know, person who wears this, you know, and not even caring, and <laughs> I want to not be this. And yeah. I was just like, I was looking at you, and it was painful. I'm sorry, Seth, but it was painful. <laughs> Because I, this is, you were forcing yourself, I wouldn't have said anything if you were really happy wearing yeah. and being what you were wearing and being. And if you want to tell our viewers exactly what you were wearing and doing at the time, just for like, you know, details, mm. you also feel free to. But at the time, it was just, yeah. it just seemed like you were inhibiting yourself. And for me, personal style is always about, you know, really like self-awareness and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I noticed that. I think that's what I noticed. I was like, you know, Tazu's kind of gone on this positive evolution with style. Because when I had met you at UVA the first time, you didn't care. Like, you were not even aware of, like, what to wear and what not to wear. And I had done an intervention for you, apparently, once in Nepal. Remember mm -hmm. when you wanted to wear some pajama pants to a party or something? And now it's in style, for your information, because <laughs> everyone is wearing pajamas. <laughs> yeah, but... um no, I, I, and, I, and I think I just really respected and admired the fact that you were just so put together and that you knew what to wear. And I was just feeling so out of the whole style loop that I didn't mm -hmm. know where to come in from. So thank you for that intervention. It was a big, dramatic thing in the streets of Palermo where people were staring at us from their windows. <laughs> I know. I remember I wasn't here because we were screaming and I was crying and I was on my period and I was like, why are you being such a drama queen? And you're like, I don't want to go home. Anyway, it was massive and drawn out. It didn't, yeah. but it's good. You know, I yeah. think um, friends should always keep things real for each other. If you care, especially and personal style is one of that, one of those things, because it is about, it's about self care. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to go on for like nine months without showering. Right. Yeah. Unless you're somewhere where you have to do that. But like, mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it's the same thing. And I, I really feel good about my style because I think that 
it's about an awareness of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe I should mention that it, it wasn't like this before. Like you said, when you first met me, I was like everywhere. In fact, when I go back to my closet and see some pieces that I still have from like my college days, I'm like, who, what, mm -hmm. who was wearing this, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I really don't believe that there's a single moment where you are stylish or whatever. I don't even know what style is. I just think that it's, like I said, um, it's self-awareness and with self-awareness comes confidence. And actually, I just thought, you know, that you're very right. And I totally agree with you on that point. And there's this blog that I came across called Anush Karis, where she just says, you know, don't wait to dress your best. Because the point is that whatever you're wearing is going to have an effect most likely on how you feel at some point, but also how you present yourself to the world. And you might as well just take ownership of that. And I'm actually going to try out her 30 day confidence challenge. And I'm going to add that as part of our references for anybody who wants to try it with me. Okay, well, let me know how it goes. And maybe you can also document it on our Instagram. So Tessa, you know, I've also been thinking that, you know, media consumption has been such a big part of this place for us, both as brown women, but also as women who live in the West. You know, there was this campaign called hashtag unfair and lovely that was run a mm -hmm. while back. You were telling me about it. Can you elaborate? Well, I had actually fallen across it, you know, just on Instagram, but it was just it, this idea that, you know, especially, um, you know, in South Asian countries, we're so tired of being bombarded with this idea that fair is lovely. And you know there's a cream called fair and lovely. Yes. So I think, and also bleaching was such a big thing. A lot of people, this is what these creams were. were all They were just bleaches. Hmm. And so, you know, this campaign was just celebrating the fact that, hey, dark is beautiful too. And you know um, the stuff that is already going viral with Sammy Sosa coming out mm -hmm. with much lighter skin. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not just limited to South Asian countries. Like, all of all of us who are darker, we know this. We felt this on some level, this insecurity. You were saying that, you know, your mom, your dad is fairer than your mom. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's funny because once my dad was laughing and because I was asking him just about like, you know, how they met and stuff and whatnot. But when he decided to marry my mother, one of the things that people would like, you know, make fun of him was like, you know, she's she's really dark. You sure you want to do this? And I do remember also, um, you know, once at the dinner table in Bangladesh, my aunt had come in over, had come over, his sister, and she was like, oh, Sanzima, you look just like your father. It's so sad that you didn't get his color. And this was a jab at my mother, right? Because, you know, my mother's darker. And it was very insulting to her. Mm. And my mother, like, after, she, she had the grace not to say anything, but afterwards she had told me, she was like, you know what? That this is not even like this is just so wrong that they're saying something like this especially you know like it takes you know that thing like you can't give a proper compliment then don't say anything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you know that these things stick in your head especially when you're 12 13 yeah of course of course but did you ever try friend lovely were you ever worried about that mm, i never tried her okay i did okay let's not lie about it because my grandmother um she had it always and she would be like Never put it on your skin because the cream is bad, but definitely put it on your hands and feet because her cousin, who's a dermatologist in Bangladesh, used to put it, this oh man, God. on his hands and feet before he left for the sun. So when I see people like Sammy Sosa, I'm not surprised because mm. even men 
are really conscious of having darker skin. But it's yeah. a really crappy cream. Don't use it unless you want like some sort of disease. Oh, no, no. I'm never going to use it. And I'm surprised I never actually used it, you know, because I had my cousin sisters in Nepal who used to just lather it on their faces. And it always looks kind of pasty. It looks, it looks weird, too. Like the cream doesn't mm -hmm. even settle properly on your skin. Mm -hmm. And they used to just lather it on all the time. One of my cousins, her name is Renuka, but her nickname is Kali, which means dark, like black. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. now, that's her nickname. But she used to just put it on all the time. Well, do you think she still puts it on? Do you think she was insecure with her? Oh, yeah, for skin? sure. For sure, mm -hmm. because like you said, you know, in, in Asia, actually, in, in at least in South Asia, a lot of the emphasis is on skin and hair. Like, makeup is not even such a big deal, but it's really skin and hair. Skin has to be fair, hair has to be thick, but only thick on your head, right? Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of my cousins, especially the ones who are darker, this was a huge thing because even if they were very beautiful, they had beautiful mm -hmm. features, the fact that they were dark would mean that the one who was fair would always get the compliments and always get the attention. Mm -hmm. Of course. And it's the same thing. Like when marriages pop up and people are getting these like arranged marriages or whatever, mm -hmm. there used to be a, an Indian drama called uh, Saloniki Satsafar where she was like a darker girl. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to get her married off because she's so dark. Like this was the premise of the show. Mm -hmm. And I remember super popular in Bangladesh. And I know people had gone through that. And it's so sad that imagine that, you know, you have this person who's like so-called fairer, you know, she's fairer, therefore she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I don't like, let's say you just look at her and you're like, oh my God, she has the worst personality. She's not charming in any way. And she's actually not pretty other than the fact that her skin is lighter, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it, it really questions these standards. But I, but you know, on another like level of, I am optimistic because I'm seeing slowly, for instances at a lot of weddings that people actually are trying to put like foundation that matches their skin color mm -hmm. rather than being like like this white sort of mm. statue. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And the fact that even the foundation is coming in different colors. Yeah, that's a big thing. Although that's also a bit of both. I mean, the fact that foundation is coming in a different colors means that they're obviously trying to open to a bigger market. Mm -hmm. In our part of, part of the world, a lot of people just focus on skin being naturally good. And so therefore taking, you know, home remedies and internally mm -hmm. taking things like chawan prash, nibupani, lots of Ayurvedic stuff, but also taking yoga classes. Like the beauty industry in our part of the world seems to me at least to be very much about a lifestyle mm -hmm. versus in the West where a lot of it is just about covering up, like just go to Sephora and buy tons of products and just put it on your face and you'll be, you'll look good. I totally agree because I, like I was telling you before, and that when you read like um, the beauty magazines like Elle or Vogue, and you know they have different versions. They have US, UK, Australia, whatever, India. The the Asian ones would actually give like, you know, you know, try to put oil in your hair or, you know, try to take, um, you know, try to drink this, you know, concoction with like, I don't know, aloe vera. Whereas like the Western editors would be like, oh, you know, put SPF and you know, try this lipstick or try this new haircut. And it was just such a quick fix, you know, in terms of feeling good about, that's the thing. I really think beauty is holistic. It has to be everything. It's not that one thing. Okay. And I think this is the difference that we have in the West with the rest of the world. Because one, actually, I feel like everyone else considers beauty a lifestyle practice 
Whereas I feel like in the West, it's not so much. Like even, I don't know, what are your thoughts? Because I feel like even things that are done for your body are very like, you know, kind of slap, slap it on there. It's going to perfect, you yeah. know, perfect your weight or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree. I mean, I had gone to a Sephora store recently before my wedding and I just was there for three hours. I was so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't get out of there because I was literally just overwhelmed. And there were just so many products for so many things. Mm-hmm. And and I just, I don't know, it just was really horrifying for me to be there in that sense. I didn't find it exciting or interesting because, it, like you said, it just feels like a quick fix. Like what can get me there fastest? Mm-hmm. Which is the best product that's going to get me there as opposed to eating well, you know, drinking water doing all the right things that your body needs mm-hmm. for you to look good, even without makeup, just as a base. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I do think that, I think we need to know what we're looking for. When when we say, you know, when beauty matters to us, we need to know what, what is it about beauty that matters. And I know that we all have our insecurities, right? Like right now I'm, I'm super worried because I feel like my eyebrow hairs are falling off. And Um, this aunt who actually, she does my eyebrows in the U S she was telling me like, uh, try castor oil, your eyebrows will start thickening. And you know, that's the thing, beauty, I think, especially in our communities, it's, it is a collective thing, you know, like everyone has a say, everyone can give you the bad part is everyone has a say, but the good part is that people that care give you good advice, you know? No, that's very true. And they give you advice that's been really tested through time Mm -hmm. and experience. And I think that that's really valuable all right so i think that should be the end for today it was so good to have you back we missed you okay well thanks Saps. it's great being back um this is like home to me and obviously you know being with you uh follow us on twitter instagram and facebook thank you guys take care bye two round <laughs> musings by misfits a podcast every monday Hi, I'm Saps. And I'm Tazo. 